Welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, Ray shares her personal story with voluntary sterilization as a form of permanent birth control. Together, we talk about gender expectations for women and motherhood, how she found the doctors to do this procedure, and the stigma that is associated with not using your reproductive organs when they're perfectly healthy. Ray really captures the essence of the show and the brave strength that resides within being sensitive to feel it all and to still know your firmness. So thank you, Ray, for sharing your story. Tune in. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ray, welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm Ray. I'm 26, and I live in Chicago, and I recently underwent a sterilization surgery of my own accord. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why I'm here. I just want to say right off the bat, disclaimer at the start, that anything that I say throughout this podcast is my own personal opinion. I'm not saying that anybody else should get this surgery done. This is just the choice that I made for my own lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And contrary to popular belief, I don't hate kids. <laughs> <laughs> I might, but that's me. <laughs> yes, I think that's an important disclaimer. And definitely... I don't even know how to cue into this aspect, but we do need to say a little bit about the history that sterilization has had in our country. Mm. The main idea behind it is that sterilization was forced upon women of color and Hispanic women and was denied for white women because of the white supremacist ideology that white women should be breeding Mm -hmm. and any other woman of color shouldn't be. Right. And so for years, there's been forced sterilization on these uh, marginalized communities, mm-hmm. and it's not been talked about. Right. And a lot of the times it happens without these women consenting to it, obviously, you know, forced. Right. Or even knowing. Yeah. Or even knowing. And it's, there's so much emotion caught up in this topic. So yeah. it's a tricky one to start talking about. And part of the reason why I didn't even know that it was an option for a really long time until I found it on Reddit. Because nobody talks about it. Right. But I don't know how to like... No, I mean, there is no proper way to close that conversation, I don't think. There's so many things that we could talk about with that. The reality is you and I are both white cis women. Yes. Immense privilege here. Yes. And we don't want to overlook any of the history of this practice Mm -hmm. when it was done involuntarily. There will be resources at the bottom of this episode if you'd like to learn more, if you were not aware of this before, to learn about this and the oppression that has been going on. Mm -hmm. And I totally recognize the privilege that I hold in being able to even have this surgery. Right. In being able to 
talk to my friends about it and to be open about having done it and know that not everybody's really going to agree mm-hmm. that with with what I've done, but that the choice has been completely mine. I know that not everybody gets that choice. Certainly. And uh, I think it's an important thing to acknowledge alongside the emotional component that goes with my choice to do mm-hmm. it. Right. There will be resources included at the bottom of this episode. If you're not aware of what Ray was talking about, there is information for you to learn more about this and the oppression that has been going on within the United States specifically. But today we're going to talk about my personal experience with voluntary sterilization surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, more specifically, bilateral scalpectomy is what I had. Mm. I think that's how you pronounce it, I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. And free. Hopefully. I haven't gotten my bill yet, but it's supposed to be free. Mm. There's been a lot of discussion on the child-free Reddit page about people that have not been able to get it free, but Mm. you're able to appeal to your insurance company usually. Cool. This is going to be a very good conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm like already shaking. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So starting at the beginning, Mm -hmm. someone has no idea what that is that you just said. What is the – like what's going on? So basically, there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but sterilization surgery is a permanent form of birth control. My doctor did a bilateral scalpectomy. I think that's how you pronounce it. But basically, she went in and she took out both of my fallopian tubes. Mm. So I don't have anything. My ovaries are kind of just chilling in there. Mm. So I will still have a normal menstrual cycle. I will still hit menopause, but I will never be pregnant. Mm Mm-hmm. Which this is different than tubal ligation where they cut. Yes. Okay. It's very similar, but tubal ligation is usually uh, where you, you know, that's where the term get your tubes tied comes from. Yeah. Because they literally put a little tie around them and that has the ability to be reversed. My doctor Mm -hmm. chose to do the removal of the fallopian tubes because it removes the chance of ovarian and cervical cancer. Mm. Wow. Okay, that's a big point too. <laughs> yes. That I I haven't even heard as a possible benefit of this. Yeah. My mom is a a cancer survivor and she actually had tumors in her ovary. So oh, wow. It's it's very possible that that could have happened to me. So my doctor chose to go with that. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's very common actually because it's it's pretty easy for mm. them to remove it. Mm-hmm. Before we even talk about any of this, I want to pause you. I want to say, Ray. No one has the right to ask you why you did this. This is something that you did for yourself. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, no one has the right to ask you a question about it, but I'm going to because that's the point. I consented. Exactly. Like, this is the point of the podcast. But like, I really want to say like, just no one has the right to ask you any questions about what you do with your body. Your body is yours. You are an autonomous human being and this was your decision. Awesome. Super happy. (laughs) Cool. Was the benefit of potentially not having cancer the main reason why you chose to do this? No. The reason that I chose to go through with this was actually simply that I don't want kids. I don't want to give birth. Yeah. That's a perfectly fine answer. Uh, Yeah. I don't – I want a family one day, but I don't want to give birth to those children. Exactly. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so many people, I think, go through their life where they don't even – which breaks my heart. Yeah. To think that that's an option. Mm-hmm. That enough. We could just have a whole podcast on that. You don't have to have kids. Like birth has to be this thing that you need to go through. Like every yes. woman was like, oh, it was horrible, but I got, you know, my child out of it. Well, right. there are so many children that I could have 
without yes. actually having to push them out. Certainly. <laughs> it, yeah. It's, it's astronomical to me that this concept of motherhood is so deeply connected to what it means to be a woman in this country mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like probably grander screams of womanhood. But just, yeah. And I mean, I think people now are starting to question this a lot more than in the past. Yeah. But when you say that, some people are starting starting now to get okay with it. But then I think the next person you'd say this to would ask you, you say that now, Ray. Yeah. But how do you know in the future that you're going to not change your mind? Well, a common misconception too is that people think that I don't like children. Oh. Which is not true. I do love super children. Fair, I think if you do. <laughs> no, I do really like kids. I enjoy them. I just don't. So that's why. But I'm not <laughs> – not gonna make one yeah (laughs) super fair i think it's hilarious because people ask that question to people they say oh how do you how are you gonna know how are you gonna know in 10 years okay well let's start asking the people when they get pregnant (laughs) are you sure you're gonna want that kid in 10 years yeah because they're gonna say uh yeah i think so oh well how do you know how do you know how do you know oh wait a minute no one no one knows anything who knows what mental state we're going to be in 10 years? Well, how do I know what I'm going to want in 10 years? You're, I do because oh. I'm me. Yes, for sure. But How I do th- I know? <laughs> for sure. I think the the thing is like there is always the possibility that we could change into some radical like completely different person. Like I could become Christian tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> like highly unlikely, but like, yes, it's possible, you know, and like taking stock of that possibility is important. I think when you respond to these questions that like, yeah, there could be a day where that happens, but like kind of like even what you said, like adoption. If that's really what it comes down to of one day you're like, that's what you want, there are so many other options to that. Well, I think the problem too is that a lot of, not to be all society, yeah, but no, a lot of it. society says that we don't have any worth if we're not going to produce children. Oh, literally. You look at it in all of the sexist questions that get asked in interviews. All the women mm-hmm. are asked when they're going to have kids or what what their plan is for babies or anything. Right. And it's all about preserving your fertility. Exactly. And I think it's language is very important here. So think about that concept when someone comes up to you and says, when are you going to have children? Mm-hmm. That is not, not if. A, exactly. That is not a question. This is a whole normative like. Yeah. It's everything in our society really pushes this as not a question it's like if you have the working parts then why are you not using them exactly which to that i say i am using them (laughs) yeah for (laughs) For their purpose right to keep me alive i mean well so here's the thing too i mean when you stop having the ability to have kids from sex then ray are you saying that you have sex for pleasure (gasps) i know i know right whoa like that would disturb the lord it (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Someone should pray for us somewhere because we're not going to. Um, but like, yeah. I mean, what a crazy concept, right? Like, we're just going to have sex for pleasure. And the, the hippies did kind of like bring this out too in, you know, the feminist movement and all this stuff. But like, I feel like there's still a little bit of a stigma of just saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess. But I think that you still have to use condoms with new people. I mean, this doesn't protect me from STDs at all. Super true. So sure, when I'm in a committed relationship with a partner, I can say, oh, we don't have to use condoms. It's good. I'm never going to be able to get pregnant. And that'll be sick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to just going to be like running wild and free because 
I can still get an STD just like anybody else can. Exactly. Yeah. I meant in terms of like, what's the point of sex to a conservative person? Oh, okay. Once you remove that, you Pro- know what I mean? Procreation only. Exactly. Well, exactly. That's what I think pro- part of the problem is, is that like, dare we say that you're having sex for pleasure? Yeah. That's not acceptable because then that does make you all these other things like you're a dirty person now you're a woman that is focused on her pleasure Mm -hmm. and is literally saying no to that option of a life and so yeah i mean a lot of people are going to be up in uproars about it regardless of the fact that it's not their bodies yeah yeah i feel like with the blue hair i'm kind of a conservative's worst nightmare (laughs) for sure yeah the i literally ripped out my reproductive organ (laughs) <laughs> blue hair and then with shaved side heads just for anyone who yes. has never seen her um so yes definitely yeah you are scary to them probably <laughs> sure but it's fa- it's fascinating to me though because I'm, I'm not really sure what the conservative argument would be i tried to think about this before we recorded because conservatives are against abortion but when you have a procedure like this I mean, most conservatives will say, if they don't say that God preordained this, it was that when the sperm meets the egg, that's when life begins. And without your fallopian tubes, the sperm is going to go into your body, but not travel to the ovaries, meaning the sperm will never meet an egg. Mm -hmm. So it's almost the same thing as birth control. So if you're a conservative person, very pro birth control, don't know why you wouldn't be pro this. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like well, aren't a lot of conservatives not pro birth control? Yeah, that's a whole thing. But I feel like that's, from my understanding, that's more of a Catholic, potentially f- like fundamentalist thing. I feel like just in general, if you're a woman and you're not going to have kids, you're not trying to have kids, then you're kind of looked at as sad. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially, I mean, it is very sad with women who are infertile, who can't get pregnant on their own and want to and want to exactly my heart goes out to them it really does if i could give you my working organ i would yeah but i can't and that's not the life for me certainly yeah definitely the reality is you should be celebrated hell yeah i should you i mean you should (laughs) you are a woman who decided to take control of her body and say this is what i want Mm -hmm. and you did that that's amazing I actually had a nurse that was there that um, we were talking about the procedure before, mm-hmm. and we'll get into it, but she asked me if I was sure, and I said yes, and mm-hmm. I told her my reasoning, and she said, it's really rare that I meet somebody as young as you are that's as sure as them- of themselves mm-hmm. as you are, and I just took that to heart. I was like, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, it's taken a lot to get here. I've been yeah. in therapy since I was 11 years old. Yeah. I know myself pretty well at this yeah. point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did you feel bothered earlier when I said that um, the question of like if you change your mind later? No. Okay. Cool. No. I was like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm questioning you. No. I think it's 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 tricky because there is some level of like we don't know what the future is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, as everything that who you are now today, yes, and everything for the foreseeable future, yes, and the reality is we don't know who we are going to be tomorrow, and that's the reality for every situation. This is not just this situation. Someone who has kids, they don't know that they're going to want to have kids Mm -hmm. 10 years later. I think that that's such a big argument of the other side. So I just wanted to bring it because I'm like, (laughs) how do we bring up their argument and also dismantle them at the same time? Conservative movement always likes to control women's bodies so that they can keep them under control. Is that too radical to say? No. I think it's pretty accurate. (laughs) I think it's pretty accurate too. But then you – I mean, I'm not speaking to the other people, I guess, but like the people who would be like – or some angry feminist up there but like 
We hate men. I mean, the hypocrisy <laughs> is blatant. We will not sterilize white women, but we will sterilize women of color. What are you saying there? You are controlling women's bodies. You are controlling race and trying to keep everything as uh, the incels make America great again, yeah. what it was in the 50s. And that was not great except for white men. And so I just... They're trying to curate what the future will look like. Yes. Which is terrifying. And it's racist in their mind. Yes. Yes. So thank you, Ray, for taking a step against the patriarchy and claiming your body. Oh, I'm honored. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> when did you realize that you didn't have to be a mom? Well, it took a lot of looking inward through the lockdown, actually. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of us, we all had time to sit with ourselves and figure out who we are, what we want for our future. And actually, somebody who was pretty influential in that is my best friend. She quit her job and became a doula. Mm. And she started learning a lot about birth and pregnancy and a lot of stuff I didn't even know. Mm. And so through her, I kind of just realized, like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I, I was sitting next to the person that is so knowledgeable about this stuff. Like, it's her career now. Mm -hmm. And even my my choice has only been reaffirmed since yes. then of hearing the post-birth stories and <laughs> everything. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it's just not something that I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I really had a chance to think about that. Yeah, I mean, dare I say you might have more knowledge than some people who get pregnant. And yeah. just like, people have no idea. I mean, you just spent a lot of time talking to a doula who's yeah. like, I know exactly what that process is like. And she was my next door neighbor, so we spent a lot, a lot of, of time, time talking, talking about, about it. it. Okay. When did you first realize that it was okay to have this viewpoint, though? Because I want to pull you a few steps back. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are still in this place where they're wondering if it's okay to not want kids. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I kind of just decided that mm -hmm. i was gonna make it okay Which, yes like anyone yeah. listening yes like you have the power to make that decision yes 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 but i think that reddit actually helped Ooh, me a lot okay tell me yeah i don't know how i found it i really have no idea i think it was somebody linked it in a comment or something and i found this subreddit group called r slash child free i will link that mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's all about living a child free life and about all the stigma that comes with that from people thinking that you hate children to think like it's basically a common ground for people that think like me and yeah. that don't want to have children to talk about all sorts of things uh yeah. their aspect of the life but that's where i found out about tubal ligation sterilization what that even was right it's a community space mm -hmm. that's so 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 powerful for any identity that we have in our life to have people who mirror back the same values and provide you a place to feel safe and home for who you are yeah, and the first post that I saw on there was, uh, the title was like, 22 female, just scheduled my tubal ligation. Yeah. I've never been so happy. And then she just let us know what she was feeling and about how she had felt like she never wanted children. And this was finally her chance to have control over her own life. Yeah. And um, I really, I resonated with that. And so I started looking it up. I just Googled it. And then mm -hmm. I was going in. Which I think that's, this is also what kills me. Yeah. How many people could benefit from knowing about something like this? Why is this not being talked about on places like YouTube where people frequently put out their personal experiences? Mm -hmm. So many of these topics are frequently things that only exist in a Reddit thread. 
Yeah. Which is awesome. But like, let's get this out with a voice. Let's get this out with a human that you can feel the emotion as you speak about it. Or I'd love to see documentaries on this. I'd love to see YouTube videos. I'd love, love, love for all this stuff to come out um, and to find even more community. Well, the community itself is really helpful. So, I mean, that's how I found the doctor that I went to. Yeah. was on a child-free doctor list that they put out. Any emotional validation you could need was found on those pages of people Mm. just saying, I've been through this. This was my experience. You're totally fine for thinking the way you did. And I think that hearing people give that support to other people that were feeling the same way I did gave me the courage to say like this is what i want and this is not a a radical spur of the moment decision it's a lifelong decision that i have just actualized yes and that's why i wonder how many other people are out there feeling this exact same way wanting to hear this i wonder yeah but i also think that it is a very permanent decision yes and it is something that if you question at all if you want to have children i'd say don't do it there are lots of lots and lots of different ways that you can yeah. utilize birth control. For sure. I was just very confident in the, f- the fact that I did not want children ever. Yes, and I know there are other people like you. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a close friend of mine who went to go get a procedure as well. I'm not sure if hers was the same. I believe they did the cutting, mm-hmm. uh, the tubal ligation piece, which I was doing some research on it. Isn't is permanent in the same way that a tattoo is permanent? Yeah. You what, can get yeah. it reversed, but there's a it's like a ten to twenty percent chance or exactly. something that you'll get pregnant. Kind of like a tattoo. You can get it away, but and ectopic pregnancies are very common after mm. that reversal. Interesting. As if interesting. Mm. Oh, after the reversal. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. So that's also another option. But that friend of mine had a horrible experience. And so I'm excited to hear yours because that friend, she was twenty six married recently no kids she tried to get this procedure for months and multiple doctors told her no you're too young does your husband know is Mm -hmm. he okay with this no you're gonna have kids in the future and then eventually she started just saying oh i have kids so they would stop but she just got so much pushback on it and finally found someone to do it but that didn't seem to be what your experience was no not at all okay i was very blessed i'm not a religious person but (laughs) I was hashtag blessed yes. throughout this entire process because I met very little in the way of obstacles. I mean, that's amazing and unheard yes. of. So, whoa. Okay. Yeah. I'm so grateful for that because yeah. I I mean, I read a lot of stories of people that did not have that same experience. Okay. I found my doctor on the Child Free Reddit page, mm-hmm. uh, the list of doctors. And funnily enough, she didn't actually do it. <laughs> she referred oh. me to another person who did oh. it. Yeah. But I just went in for a regular run-of-the-mill OBGYN appointment, and I told her that I wanted to talk about sterilization surgery. Mm-hmm. And if she was looking pretty shocked because I am 26, mm. never had kids. And she gave me a little bit of pushback. She made me think about other options of birth controls like IUD and the pill, and I was already on the pill. And um, I told her, no, I really want, I want sterilization surgery. As more time went on, it became more clear how right that decision was. Yeah, I mean, I think you could have told the nurse, I don't care. The other options are fine. I want sterilization. <laughs> I did actually look online and is the committee of yeah. OBGYNs mm-hmm. that were talking about the ethics of uh, voluntary sterilization. Yep. And one of them was that the patient should be counseled before 
the doctor agrees, which is what happened to me. So mm. when I say pushback, I'm not really saying my doctor was arguing with me. Mm. She was counseling me. And yes. she said, I, I'm offering you all my options. And because she is also, you know, a doctor that deals with families and pregnancies herself, mm-hmm. she wanted me to, you know, give it a fair shot, I guess, because she was of the ideology of you have the working parts. It's it's actually part of the informed consent process. This oh. is they have to say that this is the procedure, these are the risks, these are the alternative yeah. options, which would include IUDs, and then these are also the benefits. Like that's kind of like the outline of what it should look like. Well, so I didn't get the benefits. Ooh, <laughs> problematic, but informed consent should give all of which, that. Like I guess it was because I was so strong in my I was I wasn't questioning about IU, I mean, I wasn't For questioning sure. about sterilization. I yeah. went in being like I want this. And so I don't think that she needed to tell me the For benefits. Sure. The only thing that she said after all, she offered me all the other options was that she said, I'm going to be real for a second. Look at me and tell me that if I'm your partner and you are so in love with me and I say, Ray, I really want to have a kid with you. Or if you don't want to have a kid, I need to leave. What is that going to make you feel like? Hmm. And I, I said, that wouldn't happen to me because I'm going to tell my partner right off the bat that I'm not able to have children. Yeah. And she said, okay, I won't do the surgery, but I will refer you to my colleague who will. Mm. And then she said, if they don't contact you within a week, let me know and I'll bully them into it. Yeah. I mean, I think that would, that's the fear, right? Is that you fall in love with someone and you're going to be so in love that you need to have babies together. But you're right. This is who you are. This is your boundary. You wouldn't get into a relationship with someone who had that expectation and you communicate that up front so that they know what they're coming into. Yeah. All people are informed. Well, so we'll get into this more later too, but like one of the biggest things that I've felt since then mm. is the relief of knowing that no one will ever be able to pressure me into something like that. Not yeah. to say that I would be with a partner that would make me have a child, but I tend to be easily emotionally coerced into mm. things, even if you're not meaning to do it maliciously. But if you really wanted to have a kid and you're my partner, then I might want to have a kid because you do. Mm. And that's not being true to me at all. Yeah. And then I would be afraid that I would have a child and part of me would resent that child or my partner yeah. for making me do this. And I would feel trapped. Which people don't talk about. Yeah. Because once you have the kid, you don't want to say that, that I feel trapped, that I don't... And of course, you love the child. Exactly, but... But I might not love parenthood. Yes. And it's it's one of those things that when I realized that I, I carved out my future for myself, it was such an incredible moment. For sure. And then some people, though, would say that's selfish. Well, you know what? Sure. I, you know yeah, what? It no. is. And I'm okay with that. I feel yeah. like selfish in a lot of times is used and it's a bad thing, but I'm... I said to my friend today, I said, I'm going to be able to change lives because I'm not compromising my own. Amazing. Yeah. I plan to adopt kids one day. I plan to have a family, a different type of family, and I want to change lives. I know that if I were going to try to do that with bio- with a biological child, I wouldn't be the same person. Mm. You're speaking to me too. I'm hearing it too because I, I do think that this is something that's – there's so many things. One, I hate to even ask you these questions because I don't even resonate with them, but I feel like, damn, I want to speak to the listener who has them. You know what I mean? And like the people who are skeptical because I would like this to be a learning for everybody. 
So I even hate to ask you these questions, but I'm I well, I'm going. I'm excited to talk I about know. it. I'm just like, God, I don't agree any of these things. But it does give you the space to just like say exactly what you do. And I am so empowered by that because I think frequently family does look like this thing that is what is the nuclear family, mm-hmm. right? Mom, dad, child. And we really overlook the beauty of family that you can create through friendships, that you can create through parenting teams. I am intending to have people who do parenting teams through polyamory come on the podcast to talk about what that's like as well. Mm. Because I think it's just like there's so many different dynamics that family and that importance of connection can really take. And it doesn't have to look like the nuclear family. And I think that's really what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people when they think – when they hear me talk about adoption one day – the common thing is, oh, it's so expensive. Mm. Well, you don't think having a kid is expensive? <laughs> or, yeah. oh, it's going to take a long time. It's a long waiting process. You got to wait nine months for your kid. Yeah. Or the biggest thing that I see, too, is that people don't want to give older kids a chance. Mm. Is there, there might be a 15-year-old that might only be legally under your protection, I guess, for three years. Mm-hmm. But you could change their life in those three years. Certainly. I mean, I think there's just so many older kids that... People don't give a chance because the younger ones come with less quote-unquote issues. Yeah. Right. You just got to love them through it. And, like, I'm ready to do that. Definitely. Which is beautiful. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> one day. <laughs> exactly. But you know that about yourself. Yeah. Which is beautiful. And even just hearing that, I think people will resonate with that sentiment of, wow, I don't have to raise kids and I could still have that role in someone's life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like raising a raising somebody over the age of 12 is different. Mm-hmm. It's a different process of how you talk to them. I feel like I relate to people more than I relate to children. Mm. I don't really know how to take my complex emotions and put them into simple words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need sure. to be able to like cry it out with someone. Yeah. Before we keep going too, I would like to talk about the benefits. Yes. Yeah. So some of the benefits for someone who doesn't know, you brought up a very big one. It's less of a risk that you develop any kind of cancerous cells. Okay, great. I've heard some research saying that it's actually cheaper to get the procedure than it is to be on the pill for insurance for the rest of your life and receive follow-up care for the pill and all of that. Oh, yeah. If I get it for free, then I mean. Well, even for like society, if you want to say like, oh, society paid for this through taxes and stuff, like you're actually saving the system. Because in the long run, this is a one-time procedure that you do. You see follow-up care. You're not going to be insured on the pill for the next 30-plus years. Yeah. Which, granted, is getting cheaper, but equally at the same time. All the doctor's visits, extra, extra, extra to make sure that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, IUDs, whatever. Plus, something a lot of people don't like to talk about because it's a sad subject is that I – a benefit is that I'll never have to go through the pain of of having an abortion Mm. and the mental and emotional pain that comes – Along with that. For some people, yes. Yes, for some people. Exactly. I mean, for me personally. For I, sure. I would have a hard time, not for any religious or moral reasons, just it, it's hard. It's emotional. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And stress on your body and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I always like to normalize the people, though, that didn't have that yeah. sort of experience and like really got their abortion. It was no big deal because yeah. that's also equally a thing. So, but yes, for your own experience. Yeah. And you know that and that's awesome. And I think another thing people don't talk about is... When you're having sex, there is this underlying anxiety that what if the condom fails? What if the pill fails? What if the IUD fails? And even though some people have IUDs that are 99 point something something percent effective, 
damn, at the back of your mind, you're still always like, what if it failed? <laughs> what if that, what if this is it? What if this is the time? You know, like I'm the 1% that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's like this baseline anxiety that we deal with as women that do not want to have children. Mm-hmm that like just sits there and we just kind of accept that and I mean sometimes it comes up and goes down but it's just like you've eliminated that yeah I mean I'm a person that has pretty intense anxiety Mm. and when I went on when I went on medication for that anxiety I felt very similar to the way it felt waking up after surgery Mm. the anxiety being lifted and that it was just like I didn't even realize that I've been carrying this weight for so long yeah and now it's gone Right. I mean, you self-actualized. Mm-hmm. This is a value you have. I do not want to have children yep. of my body. I'm going to take steps to make sure that's the reality that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. And now you have all these benefits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've aligned your values with your actions, which is amazing. And that feels so good. And that feeling is what I feel like we start to feel as we find our more authentic selves. Yeah. And then we feel that feeling. You're like, wow, I decided that something that everyone else told me I have to do, I don't. Mm -hmm. and this suits me more and i'm gonna go do it it was always something that i was like i'm gonna have to give birth one day and it's gonna be so hard and scary and then i just when i realized that like oh i i don't i don't have to no one is making me yeah that's almost crazy i mean that's the whole point of the show right it's like it's kind of what i want to show people is like hey, like there's a lot of stuff out there that says you have to live one way, but the reality is there's so many different ways to live our lives. And I get so excited when I have people who come on the show and talk about the joy and the alignment that they feel when they start living these authentic lives that resonate with themselves. Yeah. It's pretty rad. I'm not yeah, I know. <laughs> like so can it feel it. Like tell them. Like it feels good. Yeah, and it's, it's totally fine to not – I'm one of those people that's like you got to have a valid reason for things. Mm. It's just – way that i live but not wanting to go through birth can be a valid reason and that is the only reason you can have yeah you don't have to have a medical issue you don't have to have mental traumatized like i do (laughs) you can just not want it yes and that's fine how much silence do i have to leave in the podcast so that people actually digest that and hear that that's good. I'm concerned that's not enough because seriously, I, I, it's just like it sounds like such a simple concept, but it's not. No. It's because people will try to guilt you into thinking that you do have to. Right. It's not an win. It's not an if. It's a win. Yeah. When you mm-hmm. get there, you're going to obviously want this and this is what your life's going to look like. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, it's all societal messaging at, the, at its core, right? I mean – you grow up, you're going to be married to a man. You're going to have kids. And you're going to live in a house with a white picket fence, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, you start taking these steps out of that dynamic. I feel like the first step, once you get out, you're like, I don't have to listen to any of these. Like, actually, yeah. wait. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my friend not too long ago, and we were talking about what we're most afraid of. Mm. And she said that you're afraid of feeling trapped. Mm. And I don't think I ever realized that, but – and in getting this surgery, I freed myself hmm. from the ability to be trapped by a situation. I feel mo- more free now than I ever have yeah. to have control over the way that my future goes. And I think it's important to say not just by a situation, by a situation that you don't want. Yeah. That's the biggest piece is this you don't want it. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Great. You're an autonomous human being living here and – 
you can take the steps to change that. Amazing. I hope anyone listening who is resonating with everything that Ray is saying really just takes a moment to question their the messages that they've heard that told them they couldn't do this and recognize that there are other ways. Take so, those messages and just throw them out. Yeah, that's a nice way. Put them in the garbage. <laughs> that's a nice way to say what I want to say. I'm just like, <laughs> screw it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And I just wish more people talked about that with confidence and pride and not a sense of shame and stigma. And, you know, if you want to do it and you're fr- afraid of how people are going to react, look online. See how other people have handled that kind mm-hmm. of adversity because I'm not going to lie. I've met it already just a really? little bit. I Whoa. haven't. I haven't been very open about the procedure yet because mm. it only happened a week ago. Mm-hmm. But I've told a couple of people so far. Okay. And it hasn't turned out awesome. Ooh, tell me. It's more just that they don't really understand. And okay. it's kind of like, why would you make such a serious decision so young? That's a big thing is that people think that because of my age that I can't be trusted with my own life. <laughs> How does it feel to have those people question you? Ugh, I can't even. There's no words. It's just, I don't know if that's some. Take your time. It's okay. Yeah, it just feels like invalidating. Like, because of how old I am, Mm. that means that I can't possibly know what I want for myself. When the reality is that you don't know what I've been through. Mm -hmm. You don't know that I had to grow up really fast, really quick. And... I learned a lot about myself through that. Right. And you've been in therapy. You know yourself. Like, I mean, there's just so much development that you've done that no one would know where you're at. And it's just, I mean, I think it's an ageist thing of claiming that you don't know your body. You're not going to know the future. Yeah. I just don't see how anybody who's been in therapy for 15 years doesn't know themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, therapy always. But I mean, again, that's why I want to bring up that argument of like, we don't ask the 24-year-old that gets pregnant, are you going to be happy with this when you're 34 and you didn't enjoy your 20s? Yeah. We just don't. We don't Mm -hmm. ask that. We say, okay, they're pregnant. They're going to take it up and they're going to figure it out. And you made a decision, could have consequences, but whatever it is, you decided it and you're going to figure it out. Well, that was the thing is that when I thought, what if I regret this later on down the road, it wasn't a panic. It Mm -hmm. was, I will make the decision then. Yep. If I decide, oh, I actually do want to have children. Well, tough tater tots. You can't have them biologically anymore. Exactly. That's just the, that is the decision that I made. And that's the decision I'm going to stick with. Yep. Obviously, I have no other choice now. But I was aware of that. And so when if it comes time that I actually do want kids, I want a baby, I'll find out a way to acquire a baby. <laughs> In vitro still works. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You use surrogates. You could adopt again. Yeah. You know, like that option is always available. Maybe exactly. Maybe harder to come by, but. Yeah, exactly. And even if that wasn't available, you this is all we do in life, right? Mm-hmm. Is make truly we're making informed guesses about who we think we're going to be in the next couple of years. I mean, think about going into a career. Okay, I'm going to study this because I think that in 10 years I'm still going to like it. Yeah. We don't know. The best we can do is make decisions about what we feel resonates with us and then deal with the consequences of whatever those decisions are, knowing that along the way we were always true to ourselves and resonated and stuck to our values. And that is a life worth living compared to following the status quo. I feel like in general, the risk versus reward for this situation was I'm already feeling the reward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
You know, the risk is so far down the road in terms of the risk that I might regret it. Yeah. But I really, really doubt that. For sure. They actually had a study that was talking about the regret within women who had sterilization uh, procedures performed. But unfortunately, it's from 1999. Like, it was pretty far back. Yeah, but... Uh, the one video on YouTube talking about this was from an OBGYN who did link a lot of research. I can put that in the show notes too, who provided a little bit of context to this. But they were saying that they did break it down, interestingly, by age and like what the likelihood was that people would regret it. And I believe in the like your category, it was like 20% likelihood. She's mm. just like, okay, 80% of the people are going to be very happy with the decision. That's a pretty good outcome. I, I, like everyone pushes this regret as if it's going to be something everyone has, but from this 1999 research which could be drastically different 20 years later like i mean even if i do regret it that's on me yeah that's on me that's my decision to figure out whether or not i want to deal with that later on yeah why is everyone so concerned that you might ruin your life it's like if you think i'm gonna regret it then why why do you care i don't know (laughs) you don't care about my well-being because you would just let me have the surgery yeah I don't know why everyone feels, I mean, and this is also just a thing with uh, motherhood and pregnancy in general, that everyone feels such a right that's entitled to it. People stick their hands on the bellies of mothers without even asking. Yeah. I remember talking to some pregnant people who explained that to me, and I'm like, yeah, there's just like this weird sense of like ownership of the propagation of our species. I read a I read a study once where they were talking about the idolization of motherhood mm. and about how pregnant women are looked at as, you know, you're glowing goddess uh, yeah, and it's yeah, because yeah. you're creating new life. But then as soon as that baby comes out, they're postpartum monsters, basically, portrayed in the media. Like, they're, the moms are tired. They always, the joke is, like, the mom's got the Starbucks cup and her hair's a mess and mm. she's got bags under her eyes when two months ago she was this glowing goddess that everybody wanted to touch and yeah. now nobody wants to get near her. And no one wants to hear about your depression afterwards. Exactly. How could you? You have a baby. Aren't you happy? Yeah. Uh, I would love to have someone on the podcast to talk about that too. Yeah. It's probably something that – I feel like that's a whole other book. <laughs> it is. It is a whole other book that I think I could devote a whole episode to just talking about this, the shame and stigma and just learn from someone about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> this conversation, you don't need to defend yourself to anybody. Yeah. At all. At all. At all. At all. And I appreciate the time that you have taken on this podcast to talk about what those counter arguments are and where your perspectives. I think it's important for people to hear your thought process behind all of this. And this wasn't just a rash decision. Yeah, this was something that you thought about. So you're on Reddit. Yes. List of doctors. Mm -hmm. You see doctor one, go, they refer you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I was referred to... A second doctor. Yes. And I went in for what I thought was just a consultation, and I told her I wanted to have sterilization surgery. So she, she said she knew. She was aware I was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, the other doctor let her know. Um, she counseled me as well very briefly, just acting, asking if I was sure, mm-hmm. asked me why. I told her why. And then she said, all right, well, when do you want to schedule it? And I just said, I, okay, yeah. sure, yeah. Um, when I was thinking like months down the road, and she said, I think two weeks. And I went – Sure, let's than an abortion. let's do it. Yeah, and we did pre-ops that day, and then two weeks later, I went in. Wow, and it was hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, everybody. Uh, well, the limited resources I was able to look up on the general internet mm-hmm. said it would be uncomfortable. Mm. People on Reddit said it was going to hurt, but everybody's 
experience with it is very different. Mm. My experience seemed to be more drawn out than other people's pain-wise. But I will say it was very painful. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Recovery was pretty painful. How long was the procedure? Like 45 minutes. (sighs) That's such a quick surgery. Wow. Wow. Okay. My doctor did two of them that morning, me and another person in the waiting room. (laughs) Wow. In and out. (laughs) Okay. So 45 minutes. So they put you under so you don't feel anything. You're asleep during the surgery. Yep. 100% knocked out. Yeah. Why don't you, Ray, briefly go through what the process was like, a little breakdown of day by day. That way, anyone who's listening and has never heard of a procedure like this doesn't want to do all the Reddit deep dive (laughs) that you did to get all this information can find it in one compact located place and that is now so yeah so morning of surgery i woke up at 5 a.m i threw up twice because i was so nervous and i sat in pre-op for three hours after getting a gown and those grippy socks um i was questioned a few times if i still wanted to go through with it from a nurse a doctor and then the anesthesiologist they made sure that i knew that i had the opportunity to cancel if i was feeling regret which i actually really liked that they were like I won't be upset if you don't want to do this. They're establishing continued consent. Letting me know that I had a way out. Yeah. I just said that I was nervous for the anesthesia because I didn't want to wake up. I was so scared that I was going to wake up in the middle of it. That is, yes. Um, So then I got an IV in my hand, which was traumatic. I hate IVs. (laughs) And I ended up having to like cover my hand with a towel because I was getting sick just like looking at it. Dang. I'm such a wimp when it comes to needles. Yeah. Um, I was so, so nervous. Really? I kept feeling waves of nausea come up, even though I had fasted for the night before, so I had nothing in my stomach, but I remember just, like, really trying to calm myself down. Mm. I was just so scared. How did you do that during that time? Um, Just lots of deep breathing, and I kept reaffirming to myself that I made the right decision. Okay. I wasn't questioning the decision, but I think it was because I was alone. Yeah, definitely. Um, That it was just scary to be knowing that I was going to be knocked out. Yeah. I was just so afraid that I was going to wake up. Yeah, I mean, any <laughs> surgery going in alone and then, yeah, yeah, what if you're that one? So I was just trying to practice my deep breathing. That's good. <laughs> that's good. So then the tech came in. He was very hot mm. and <laughs> got me in bed. Got me in bed. Me down. <laughs> and then the doctor came out to talk to me just to let me know what they were going to do. And I got to talk to the anesthesiologist. I had to make sure I told her that I was a regular cannabis user because I don't know if anybody knows that, but if you smoke cannabis regularly – Tell your anesthesiologist hmm. because they have to amp it up. Really? Mm-hmm. So I was glad I did that. And then I got wheeled into the operating room, which is a lot smaller and more crowded than I thought. Hmm. Like, there was stuff everywhere. Really? And everybody was rushing around and asked me to scoot myself onto the table. And then the anesthesia was given to me through an IV. And holy shit, does that hurt when really? it goes in. Really? It felt like fire. Really? It really hurt. But... Then I remember the doctor saying, you told me you smoke cannabis, so I made you a cannabis cocktail. <laughs> and then um, I laughed and I was out. Wow. I don't remember falling asleep. Usually I kind of remember seeing it all black out, mm. but I don't even remember that. I was kind of shocked to wake up in a hospital, though. I thought I was waking up in my bed. Huh. But then uh, a nurse noticed my heart rate spike and came over and told me everything was going well and I was okay. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Barbara. Lovely. You're a real one. <laughs> I stayed there for like 30 minutes and then I was brought back into the pre-op room. I was kind of shocked because they made me stand up and walk around right away. Oh. And it was fine and I was just weak. But they were like, you can't leave until you use the bathroom. Oh, wow. I sat down. I was given water and crackers 
And then they told me I could call my person to come get me, which is my best friend. And then I needed to wait until she came, then I could go home. Wow. It sounds so much easier than I would have imagined. It was incredibly casual. (laughs) Yeah. It was not a big deal. I mean, they're doing three of these a day. Yeah. Yeah. It was real cash. Hmm. Yeah. And then so eventually my friend showed up and I got to have my IV taken out, thank God, and go home. Mm Mm-hmm. And I asked for more of those. They give you these crazy, humongous pads. Oh. Like they give women after they give birth. Yes, I know what you're talking about, yeah. And those mesh underwear. Yeah, I know super exactly sexy. what you're talking about. I'm not even kidding you. I wore those for three days. So pregnancy people, <laughs> pregnancy people, people who are pregnant talk about stealing those from like the that, hospital because they're good. That mesh underwear, man. I, I, it sounds, I've seen it. It sounds so weird and like uncomfortable because I think of mesh and I think of like fishnets for some reason but oh my god it stretches it's so stretchy and it doesn't dig in at all yeah but like you're only gonna want to wear that when you're wearing that big of a pad for a reason yeah like but other than that no well that's one thing i learned you bleed a lot oh really i bled a lot Mm. afterwards Uh, i expected like my ovaries to hurt you know inside but most of the pain was from the incision on my belly button Mm. as well as shoulder pain actually interesting yeah so the gas that they pump into you to inflate your body so that they can see i just see willy wonka i know yeah yeah willy wonka (laughs) yeah it's fine the gas that they pump into you it gets caught underneath your diaphragm and it pushes on a nerve or irritates a nerve that presents as shoulder pain Mm. and holy crap is that intense yeah it hurts a lot like that was the worst for that yeah but mm, it was it wasn't like a muscular pain it's nerve it's nerve it just just doesn't and so it's like anytime my heart beat i just felt throbbing it was awful but that was the worst part mm. like it was who, who knew that was day one yes okay it felt like i like somebody was pinching the tendon like on my neck and shoulder mm. um and then it felt like i had to burp really bad all day but i couldn't mm. but they oh. said i should eat light food but i had a domino's pizza so <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and, and that was fine yeah it was fine okay so how many days were you not workable for anyone who's like how many days do i have to take off to do this procedure just one wow well i mean i work from home which yes i'm a graphic designer and we didn't i don't know if we said that no we didn't (laughs) okay i'm a graphic designer and i work from home so i was able to only take one day off yeah if you work in an office though i would recommend if you work in an office i would recommend from my experience three days Mm. because i couldn't like sit in a chair oh just the compression of my stomach it okay. just hurt too much yeah that's that's good to know for someone who's thinking about how much time they would need for this yeah but realistically only really one day okay mm-hmm. how long were you in pain for then so i was in pain for pretty much like six days mm. but only bad pain for the first three and that was mostly just from the gas that mm-hmm. was like working its way throughout my system yeah because this might be a little TMI. No, I mean, let's talk about medical things as they are. Things that everyone has. We all have bodies. Yes. Pooping is so scary. Is it? After Why? surgery. Why? Because you can't strain. If you So you think about it. When you reach over to grab a glass of water, you're using your core muscles. Mm. You use your core muscles for everything. Why don't I see them? <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> I know. No, so I know. it's like when, when you've had an incision on your yeah. abdominal area. Mm-hmm. It is so difficult to just yes. do anything. Yes, yes, certainly. So 
yeah, it was really concerning because you're all bloated and stuff because you're backed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't go. It's the most, like, frustrating thing. And I wow. went two days without pooping. And then when I did, I texted everyone. Oh, my God. <laughs> everyone that was close to me. And I was like, it's happened. That's, Success. Yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> but, I mean, I could understand how that could be concerning. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just, like, whenever I've seen the journals of people that have had the mm-hmm. procedure done, it's been, like, day one, blah, 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 no poop. Day two, <laughs> blah, 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 no poop. Okay. So day three, blah. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, so if you don't poop a couple of days after your procedure. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just get some Miralax. You'll be all good. Yeah, I mean, you're you're continually bringing up the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it seems like that was a really big piece of this for you. I needed that. I needed a lot of guidance because yeah. I needed to know that what I was going through wasn't abnormal. Mm-hmm. But like I said, everybody's situation is different. So like my healing timeline has been a lot longer than other people's. Mm. I don't know why, but – that's just the way my body is, I guess. Yeah, and for someone who's never been on Reddit, those threads actually get comments from people who respond back to you. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone's never used Reddit, they wouldn't really know, maybe. I mean, does everyone use Reddit? I think so, but maybe if you haven't. I always thought it was kind of like a 4chan type of situation where it was like a bad place. I still don't know what 4chan is. So we don't need to talk about that. I know, but Fundy, <laughs> Fundy, Jen from Fundy Fridays brought it up place. and now I'm like, uh, she th- she used that as part of what she changed from, so I wasn't going to ask too much about it. But was- it's like Reddit, but full of neckbeards and trolls. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> weird. Uh, but I mean, Tumblr's weird too, so I mean, I guess yeah. it's all a thing. But like, when you post on there, people comment. Yep. So if, yeah, people comment and then you can have like a whole discussion going on in the comment section. And a lot of the times, depending on how big your Reddit thread is, you can mm-hmm. have an ask me anything. Mm-hmm. And I saw one up from an anesthesiologist about what goes on during a tubal ligation. Oh, I love they have doctors in there. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. There are plenty of doctors that were, you know, they're just hanging out at home to sign on and give their expertise for free. <laughs> Dang. So the resistance of like freedom for ovaries is on this reddit thread mm-hmm. wow so there's one for it's r slash child free and then there's also r slash sterilization mm. which is more uh child free is more like the lifestyle i guess okay it can but i will say i will caution it can be a toxic place i'm not gonna mm. lie it's it's a melting pot like the internet is in general there are people that take it to an extreme there are people that hate people that have had kids that hate children and will mm. gladly talk about it but it's one of those things it's like it's like when you go thrift shopping you gotta weed through some things you're not interested in to get to what you are right and any community that welcomes everybody yeah is going to have the problem of some people who might not adhere mm-hmm. or have different views there's going to be different perspectives but still i mean that does sound like even if it's not the perfect place right now it seems like the most ideal place it's great for resources, I would okay. say. I mean, Ray, where else are people going to go? That, yeah. That, I mean, like, honestly, there's no other option. Like, how else would someone learn about this? It's not on YouTube. It's, I mean, there might be blogs about it, maybe, like, articles. I don't. Yeah. Did you find anything? No. That's yeah. I mean, th- well, there's that's lots. There's lots about forced sterilization. Yes. Lots about that. But there's there's very little in the way of actual people that have had Mm. it done talking about it other than on reddit as far as i know yeah but i've seen a lot of what is tubal ligation what happens after the surgery from different um hospitals websites that get pretty detailed but you have to look up the name and i didn't know what that was called right and i mean yeah all of that's great medical knowledge but people 
Yeah. For the people. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to be talking about this on a podcast? <laughs> it feels awesome. I still can't yeah. – I'm still kind of can't believe that it's over, mm. that I did it. And that, like, <laughs> I get really emotional when I talk about it because, yeah. like, I have control over the way my life is going to go now. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible feeling. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think part of the show when I bring people on is I want to recognize them as leaders. And you're here talking about this with extreme vulnerability. <laughs> Right. <laughs> this is where I look at you and say, that's a beautiful thing. Thanks. It felt like, um, so we're recording this podcast before I tell my parents. Yeah, I mean, that's big. I'm not worried to tell my parents because I feel like they're very accepting mm. of who I am and my decisions, but it's definitely going to shock them, I feel. Mm. And I've been rehearsing <laughs> what mm. I'm going to tell them. Yeah. And all I can think about is just telling them that, like, I've never been happier mm. than i am right now yeah that like i took matters into my own hands yes and that i was brave enough to do that yeah because i was always kind of like the wallflower mm. who didn't speak up for what she wanted and oh. was always kind of um emotionally manipulated by boyfriends in terms of kind of like trying to be molded into what they wanted uh-huh so it feels incredible to not only, like, figure out who I am and keep uh, working on the mold for who I want to be, mm-hmm. but realizing that, like, this was a decision that was 100% my own. Yes. And I, the fact that I didn't tell my parents, like, that's a really big thing. I yes. share I share everything with my parents. Mm. And so hopefully if they're listening to this after the fact, they realize that that was why was just it was for me mm-hmm. and i didn't want anyone to get in the way of that that's powerful ray yeah i hope so i hope for other people because like it is it is ray yeah. i mean you just took actions into your own hands with your life and your future and you're living your life with actions that are in accordance with that mm-hmm. that's strength you're standing up against the grain. You're telling, you know, I don't care what other people think. This is the life I want to live. Yeah. And that's beautiful and a very strong character to have. It's one of those things that I didn't really think. You don't think that you're, I didn't do this to be, you know, fo- forward thinking or no. uh, I always <laughs> like to be a feminist, but I, I, you know, I didn't go into it thinking that. You don't think, I'm, I'm no, I'm serious. Like, you don't think... For sure. No, that's my job. Like, that's my yeah. job to look at you and be like, you're awesome. <laughs> like, I want you to see it. I want you to see how strong that is. And I know that wasn't your reasoning. I'm here to mirror you and just be like, wow. Like, I look at you with such strength to be here on this podcast that is going to be shared across the world. Mm-hmm. We have people listening in different countries, which is really cool. Yeah. And they're going to be hearing the words that you're talking about with the conviction and the open honesty and vulnerability and that's amazing and i just want to say thank you and i thank you doesn't feel like the right words i just hope you see what strength this is to be talking about something that is not talked about ever yeah i feel like i didn't like i've said like i said throughout this whole thing but i i didn't know that it was an option until i saw the reddit post that said i'm a 22 year old female and i just scheduled my tubal ligation and i said what the hell is that why is this girl who's younger than me doing this yes. and then learned more about it and so i hope that somebody hears this and realizes that 
you can do it. Like, there's yeah. nothing – well, I don't want to say there's nothing stopping you because there could be. There's a lot of privilege here, yes. Yeah. But you're just bringing awareness that this is an option. I'm sure there's tons of people who have thought to themselves – yeah, I don't really want kids, but there's nothing I can do with it. I'm just going to keep taking this pill, using this IUD, condom, or being celibate until I die, until I go to menopause, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't know there was another option. Yeah. One thing that I struggled a lot with when I first started thinking about whether or not I wanted to do this was I have these working parts that will produce a baby. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people out there who would give their arm and a leg yeah. To have those parts to be able to produce a baby. And I was throwing it away. Mm. But if you want to call that selfish, then do it. I'm not really bothered by that anymore. If people calling me selfish, because sure, I am. I'm doing this for myself. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing this for myself so that I can better someone else's life later on down the road. Right. And I'm not going to be any use to that child if I'm not at my peak. Yeah. So, Sure. I'm selfish, but I'm paving the way for less selfishness later on. Amen. (laughs) Also not religious, but I believe in the message. Yes, Ray. Yes. You're preaching. Yeah. I hope people take that to heart. Is there anything? I feel like we covered a lot about what it looked like, the emotions, all the pieces. I would say if you're considering doing this, to have a support person. Mm -hmm. I had my sister and my best friend. Luckily, the best friend lives really close to me. So Mm -hmm. she was there for me right after surgery. She was there for me the the couple days after. And I don't know if I would have been able to do it Mm. (laughs) without her. Yeah. You need somebody there for you. Yeah. Whether it's to take out your trash when you Mm -hmm. can't lift over 10 pounds. (laughs) Yeah. Or to tell you you made the right decision. Mm -hmm. Because you (laughs) – Sorry. It's okay. Feel it. This is a space. <laughs> um, you need your support person to be able to tell you that you are the person who knows yourself yeah. the best. And I don't think those people are very common. <laughs> right. And you, those are the people that you want to surround yourself with in your life. Yeah. Those are family, the chosen family that we have around us that mirror back to us. The things we don't even see in ourselves. Yeah. Which is also a strength, right? To be able to say when we need help. Not everyone does that. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. One of the things I like to ask everyone on my show is what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? Well, not wanting to have kids. Is that going to be your thing? I mean, like, yeah. (laughs) Not wanting to give birth. Not wanting to have children, but wanting to have a family. Is a very normal thing. And family comes in a bunch of different shapes and sizes and orientations. Oh, yeah. Numbers. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of that on the podcast. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know if I have anything beautiful to say <laughs> for that because I feel like it stands strong enough on its own. Yeah. There's nothing more to say on that. That is what it is. That is okay. Mic we'll, drop. Yeah, let's normalize it. People can sit and think on that. Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's conversation, then subscribe for new episodes released every Wednesday and follow us on Instagram at Modern Anarchy Podcast, where we open up a dialogue about all of these topics. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. And a special thanks to one of my favorite artists, Yor Smith, 
for the intro and outro song to this show. 